Well, the big guy is down and out again, feeling under the weather, so I'm rolling solo, joined by my good friend and executive director of the Conservation Federation of Missouri, Tyler Schwartz. I'm Brandon Butler. I'm Tyler Schwartz. And welcome to the Driftwood Outdoors podcast. If you've always dreamed of finding a special piece of outdoor recreation property in the Midwest, you don't need to look any further than Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. With hundreds of land listings available, Living the Dream Outdoor Properties has that special hunting, fishing, camping, or farming property you're looking for. Living the Dream Outdoor Properties isn't just for buyers. If you have a property to sell, Living the Dream makes the process super easy and brings to the table their huge following of prospective buyers. With the land market on fire right now, Living the Dream will bring you the offer your property deserves. When it came time for me to sell Driftwood Acres, there was no question I was going to work with Daryl Heinemann and his team at Living the Dream Properties. Their professionalism made the process a breeze. And they brought me multiple offers in the first two weeks. After my personal experience with Living the Dream, I can tell all of you with confidence that this is the real estate firm you want to work with for any land deal. For more information or to contact Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, visit livingthedreamland.com. That's livingthedreamland.com. Our friends at Mongo Attachments know conservation doesn't happen by accident. Over the years, they have helped transform thousands of acres of land into valuable habitat for wildlife. With the use of Mongo Attachments, landowners, nonprofit organizations, government agencies, and contractors have restored, improved, maintained, or built from scratch incredible wildlife habitats. Mongo Attachments is an industry leader in attachments for small and mid-sized excavators. They have a wide array of attachments designed to meet your land management needs, including ice and root rippers, land clearing rakes, hydraulic flail mulchers, forestry head mulchers, hydraulic tilt grading buckets, and tree shears. Mongo sets up every attachment for your machine specs so that all you have to do is hook it up and go to work. If you have land that needs work, get the right tools for the job from Mongo Attachments. To learn more about taking land management to the next level, visit mongoattachments.com. That's mongoattachments.com. Turkey season is one of the most exciting times of the year. Nothing fires me up more than a gobble shattering the pre-dawn darkness. This year, I'll be chasing turkeys with a CZ Reaper Magnum. The CZ Reaper Magnum is built to slay turkeys. It's an over-under with three and a half inch chambers. The shorter 26 inch barrels make it more maneuverable in the woods or a blind. The included Picatinny style rail makes adding optics simple and it comes stock with QD swivels in the front and back for adding a sling. Like all the firearms from CZ USA, which now includes the entire Colt line, the Reaper not only functions properly, it looks great doing so. The polymer stocks are completely clad in camouflage, upping my turkey sleigh and stealth game even more. For more information about the CZ Reaper Magnum and all the fine firearms from CZ USA, visit czusa.com. That's czusa.com. Chances are you know how important hunting is to conservation, and you likely recognize the incredible hunting heritage we have in America. What you may not consider, though, is how important hunting is to our economy. That's why we are proud to partner with Hunting Works for Missouri to promote the strong economic partnership 
between the hunting and shooting communities and the economy of Missouri. Hunting Works for Missouri sheds light on the economic impact hunting has on our economy. Since its inception in 2012, I've proudly served as a co-chair of Hunting Works for Missouri. Our membership consists of businesses representing a cross-section of the Missouri economy. These include sporting goods retailers, restaurants, hotels and resorts, gas stations and convenience stores, and of course, all the taxpayers of the state, hunters and non-hunters alike, who benefit from the license fees, taxes, and jobs the hunting and shooting industries provide. To learn more about Hunting Works for Missouri, which is a program of the National Shooting Sports Foundation, visit huntingworksformo.com. That's huntingworksformo.com. Big shout out and thanks to everyone who's taken a minute to review us online. We really appreciate it. If you haven't done it yet, we ask you to take 30 seconds and go do it today. Like, share, rate, subscribe. Let everyone know how much you love this podcast so we can keep doing it. And be sure to follow us on all the social media platforms, Driftwood Outdoors on Instagram and Facebook, and keep submitting those mystery bait bucket questions. You can email us, info at driftwoodoutdoors.com, or again, just find us on Instagram and Facebook. Hope you enjoy this new podcast. The Driftwood Outdoors Podcast with Brandon Butler and Nathan Shags McLeod. All right, Tyler, kind of the impromptu here. Me and Shags had some some things planned, but uh, we had to pull the B team in. So you're going to have to impress, man. All right, I'll see what I can do. Coming in off the bench, this is your shot. All right. (laughs) No, in in all seriousness, Tyler's been on before. You guys hear us talking about CFM all the time. We're long overdue for an update as to all the good things that are going on at the Conservation Federation of Missouri. But to begin with, we got to do some stories. So to begin with, the big story of the day on all the outdoor wires is President Biden has pulled the nomination of David Chipman for the ATF, that is the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. Um, Senator Mitch McConnell said, glad to hear reports the White House has taken my advice and pulling the terrible nomination of David Chipman. Absurd that a vocal opponent of America's constitutional rights was ever picked to run the ATF. Now, I don't know David Chipman, don't know much about him, uh, but this was the universal feeling of the firearms industry. Um, Other quotes that are in this article on the Outdoor Wire, the defeat of David Chipman is a victory for all Americans who value the right of self-defense, said Young Americans for Liberty senior spokesman Eric Brackey. Uh, It said Chipman had called for a total ban on private ownership of commonly owned firearms like the AR-15, while defending the ATF's use of military-grade weapons to massacre American citizens. So, uh, maybe a little strong statement there, but it seems like there was some very passionate people uh, against Chipman, and he is out. I think you hit the nail on the head there about the passionate gun owners that are across America. If there's something they don't like, they're going to speak their voice, and it's a loud voice, certainly. Well, and passionate gun owners seem to be growing in numbers the nssf just issued a report that shows 3.2 million first-time gun buyers in the first half of 2021 
the report has a lot of statistics in it. It, it says respondents indicated that 33.2% of customers, or 3,247,351, purchased a firearm for the first time based on June's total of nearly 9.8 million background checks for a gun sale. Uh, the quote in this article, show, it says, This survey shows that there is a continuing demand signal for firearms from the American public, said Joe Bartosi, an SSF president and CEO. We witnessed each month background check figures associated with a gun sale that are second to only those we saw in last year's record-breaking totals. These survey results show not only is there a strong and healthy appetite for first-time gun buyers, but that there is still room to grow. We are encouraged by the sustained interest in lawful and responsible gun ownership, as well as by the manufacturing base, which has been challenged to meet this remarkable demand. Well, that's great that there's all these new gun owners. I uh, wonder where they're going to get ammunition. That's right. Boy, you, just, there is nothing on the shelves anymore. And I can't say nothing. There is starting to see a few off-brands of shells in the last few months and went for so long with bare shells. But there's starting to be a little bit. And, boy, that's the question of the day. Conservationists around the state are always calling, asking, say, hey, where can I get some shells for this or that? And, and there's people that have them or have had them in their, in their gun safes. But everybody's always still looking. So it's going to be a while before the shells come back certainly yeah i'm thankful that i've had a, a supply build up over the years we were up uh teal hunting we as in me and a few buddies were teal hunting in iowa opening day and um some of those dudes were just unloading on on ducks that were way too far and we were joking that they must not be aware that there's a shell shortage <laughs> out there like any duck that i shot at was up close and personal I stopped at a local Walmart to get some beef jerky and uh, license, and I thought, well, I'll just buy another box of shells and have it, you know, but there wasn't a single box, and it just thought to myself, like, what if a first-time hunter wanted to go out? What if, you know, a new gun, gun owner wanted to buy some shells? I mean, you really got to do some due diligence to find them. Yeah, certainly. We had our pull for conservation event a couple of weeks ago east of Columbia there, and, and shags came and, and shot, and there was just the shell shortage I was would have thought would have push people away we still had a near record crowd but they did have shells there but you had to shoot them on site so as long as you purchased them there like if you're going to shoot two boxes they'd sell you two boxes and so you couldn't buy two or buy four and take two home with you you know you had to shoot them there i'm glad shag showed up uh for that shoot and got warmed up because we went on to the boy scout shoot over at midway farms and won against trevor for the third year in a row so we were holding the championship belt uh three years in a row that's awesome. That's a lot of fun getting out and shooting those sporting clays. So this survey also showed the first six months of 2021, over 90% of retailers reported an increase of African-American men purchasing firearms. 87% reported an increase of African-American women purchasing firearms. 84% uh, reported an increase of Hispanic American men. 87 uh, report an increase of Hispanic American women. So minorities are, are heavily getting uh, more armed in this country. 76.5% Asian American men, 82% Asian American women. 22.1% of customers purchased a second firearm since their initial purchase. 44.5% were under 40 years old. 457 asked for information on safety training and 23.6% signed up for safety training. That number seems kind of low. If only one out of four is signing up for safety training, 
I think that tells us, Tyler, that there's an opportunity out there to try to get more people to sign up for that. Yeah, it's certainly the education that comes along with being a gun owner. It's a it's a big responsibility and being able to do it safely, correctly. I was just out with my oldest daughter, too. You know, we were just going through the, the she's six, and, and she's got her little paint cricket gun and just showing her all the steps of safety that you start before you even head to the range, too. So it is a little concerning that, you know, people are buying firearms, but hopefully they're getting some kind of training somewhere. That's right. And just getting out and, and, and shooting is important, too. You know, if you're going to have a firearm, we, we just talked about the ammo shortage. You're not going to go out and shoot as much as you might like. But make sure you understand how that gun works. Uh, make sure you feel comfortable firing it. You know, don't just buy it and stick it in the drawer and think if the day ever arrives that you need to use it, uh, that you'll know what you're doing. So go out and practice. Sign up for safety training. Become a responsible, uh, safe gun owner. Now, if you're using that gun for hunting and you're going to be deer hunting and you are interested in doing your own European style deer mount, uh, the Missouri Department of Conservation is going to have a virtual event on September 22nd, giving you tips on how to create your own European style deer mount or otherwise known as skull mount. So don't have to live in Missouri to, to tune in for this. Anybody anywhere can go on the Missouri Department of conservation website that's mdc.mo.gov go to the newsroom and look for this uh, release that came out on september 8th it says european mounts is a style of taxidermy that's gaining in popularity among hunters in a unique way to preserve memories of your harvest uh, so you can go on and and go to this free online program from 6 to 8 p.m on september 22nd you can register online and it'll consist of uh, teaching you how to clean the skull. Obviously, the antlers stay attached. Um, you know, this is something you've done before, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's the process of, of you know, again, not everybody's got $400 to spend on a shoulder mount. So it's a great way to preserve all the, the deer trophies that you get. All right. Well, without shags here, we're just going to blow through those new stories pretty quick. The big guy does a good job of uh, digging deeper, but... You know, we're doing what we can without them. So I guess before we get into our list that we created of all the different things going on to talk about here at CFM, how about just kind of a general overview? How are things going? Things are busy here at the Federation. You know, we're not in legislative session right now, but it's still a lot of great events. And, and like any organization or group, we're working to get through COVID. You know, it's it's been a challenge for our board, our members, our, everybody in between, and our staff, just to figure out, you know, what's how to raise money in a through a pandemic. And overall, you know, the CFM is just continues to grow, and we continue to find our way. Though we just finished up a great legislative session that we'll get into a little bit later. But overall, you know, we're we're doing good, and we're looking forward to the future and hunting seasons here too. It's a great time to be. Uh, uh, conservationist in Missouri and getting outside and enjoying nature. Now, believe it or not, there's probably a few people listening that don't know what CFM is. Why don't you run through the history of the organization and what you do today? 
So the mission is to ensure conservation of Missouri's wildlife and natural resources and preserving our state's rich outdoor heritage through advocacy, education, and partnership. So it's those three buckets that I'll kind of talk about. But I'll, I'll start at the very beginning, back in 1935, when the sportsmen and conservationists from Missouri came together to form the Conservation of Federation of Missouri. And, and there was concerned citizens. There weren't any deer. There weren't any turkeys. They were just in the in the thousands or less. And so people come together and they said, we got to do something. And so they started the Conservation Federation of Missouri, which ultimately formed the commission and what we know as the Missouri Department of Conservation today. And, and so in those early times, it was targeted in, in the Tiger Hotel in Columbia. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall to see those people that came together that knew there was problems that existed. You know, like today, we get together to talk about all of our issues and stuff. And I don't think it would have been much different back then. And the challenges were the same that we see, but they're just different players. And so we continue to fight and do that struggle of, of the advocacy, the education, and the partnerships of creating a awareness across Missouri and preserving what we love, what we know as hunting and fishing and the outdoors in Missouri. It's a, it's a great passion of so many people. And so we have to work together to try and continue that to, for the future generations. And if anybody listening isn't aware, I was the executive director of this organization before Tyler. So when I was the executive director, I hired Tyler. He came in, did an amazing job. And when I left to go to Raceline, Tyler stepped up into the role, and we continue to be great friends and and work on conservation issues together and follow his leadership now as he does an incredible job leading this organization. Uh, you mentioned events. There was an event that just took place. I actually created this event. It's called the Affiliate Summit. Uh, I created it because I feel like the affiliates are really the, the greatest strength of CFM. How about you explain what an affiliate is uh, and what the Affiliate Summit uh, just covered? Affiliate organizations, we're up to almost 100 of those now, which encompasses about 80,000 Missourians. And so the a lot of our different Ducks Unlimited quail and pheasant groups, Missouri Prairie Foundation, Missouri Parks and Recreation Association, Missouri Parks Association, just these different hunting, fishing, hiking, biking, camping groups that are out there talking about conservation, the outdoors, and they each have their own unique missions. And and so our organization brings all these people together under one roof. And we did that yesterday, virtually and in person. We had a great hybrid event with the Missouri Electric Cooperative building. And, and so we brought people together, but also online. And we can have those conversations about, you know, each individual mission but yet when we come together we grow our voice and that was just the overarching thing that i kept hearing yesterday and what makes me so excited at the federation is that we can bring people together that have different missions but still support conservation the outdoors outdoor recreation getting kids involved and it's just so neat to see the different groups but yet we all still have that same common bond and everybody's out there doing their own thing and and we can come together and do that as collectively our voice and that voice that grows those 80,000 people when we go to the capitol they're listening and that's what's so cool about it too is is all of our legislative victories that we can result from this yeah it's too bad america can't function a little bit more like the affiliate partnerships of this organization what i've always found so amazing is that 
You know, so many of these groups have very little in common. I mean, it can be the Bee and Butterfly Fund and the Trappers Association or the Deer Hunters and the Bass Fishermen. They have different individual interests. However, they focus on the greater good for all. And they put aside those specific individual interests until it's really their turn. So if the deer hunters are under attack, you can use the whole force of the Federation. If, you know, the pollinator plight is becoming more of a, a topic, the deer hunters are getting concerned with butterflies. That And that's the beauty of it is, you know, we, we basically come together as a team to focus on the bigger game and uh individual wins become you know greater wins and you know individual losses become greater losses and it just unifies everybody together under a big umbrella speaking of that big umbrella we're our organization under the national wildlife federation so we're an affiliate of them across the nation every state's got an organization similar to ours but everyone's a little bit different but we also work with the National Wildlife Federation on a lot of initiatives that we'll talk about some great bills that are being filed in D.C. that are we're working on here to help promote boots on the ground conservation programs that can support here in Missouri. So we're, we're honored to be the National Wildlife Federation's affiliate here in Missouri. And so we're under the umbrella, but then we're that big umbrella, too, that, that gets it down to even farther across Missouri, those organizations. So when you talk about specific conservation organizations you think the national wild turkey federation well they deal with turkeys you think trout unlimited they deal with trout the rocky mountain elk foundation they deal with elk it's a lot harder to understand what the conservation federation does because it's not in the name but really policy working government affairs is is kind of the bread and butter of the organization and we spend a lot of time fighting against bad bills you know in recent history it was uh, trying to fight back uh, an expansion of captive deer hunting um, other bills that would have crippled conservation funding but last year you really came out and had a great uh, session creating some positive legislation i know you're real proud of what you were able to accomplish last year uh, why don't you walk us through what some of those bills were and, and what they do for the citizens of this state? Certainly. And so legislative session ended in May. In Missouri, it runs January through May. And any bill that doesn't get passed goes away, has to get filed again. And so bills sometimes take multiple years to get passed. And you remember that. There were some bills that you handed off uh, to me, House Bill 260, two, several years ago, the poaching bill that you started. And I picked that one up, and we got that one passed in the 2019 session. And last year, the snack stick bill that we'll talk about a little bit later, too, which was a, a, a huge win. This year, it was House Bill 369. So House Bill 369 was known as the Prescribed Burning Act. And that created the language that said any specific landowner or agent will not be liable for damage, injury, or loss caused by a prescribed burn as it was defined, resulting from like smoke or uh, an intentional somebody, you know, not doing their due diligence. So as long as you got your certification as a burn manager, you won't be held liable if it gets out or those types of things. So Missouri was one of five states that did not have this limited liability language in it. And so it's it's exciting to see, you know, that now burn managers can get that insurance to be able to safely do 
prescribed burning across Missouri, and which results in more habitat, which results in more turkey, quail, birds, bees, butterflies, and everything in between. So burning is just such a great tool in our, our toolbox across our landscape in Missouri. So that was the premise of the bill. But ultimately, as things do, you know, you see a bill that's gaining traction, they'll start adding a few things on there, what we call omnibus bills. And we had some great things that ended up on this bill also, which was the feral swine language. And it was anybody that recklessly or knowingly releases a swine into the live or wild can now be held for a, a higher fine or up to a class A misdemeanor and sentenced up to pay up to $2,000. So each swine released shall pay a separate offense, and every person that's been found guilty of violating those provisions could be uh, up to a Class E felony now. So it's, you could be a, become a felon for turning swine loose. And we all know the battles that we've been facing with feral swine in Missouri, and it just gets more challenging each and every year to work and eradicate these off our landscape but we're winning you know it's great to hear all the positives that you that are coming from different uh, watersheds that are becoming less and less that where the hogs are inhabiting and that that process i went down there to see that last summer i mean the gps the technology that the boots on the ground people are using to to mark where these swine are at and and getting them out there i watched a video where the whole sounder came in 26 pigs came in there and boom they dropped the trap and got every one of them they just exploded the trap like we're trying to bust out of there and they didn't and and so it was it was cool but there it's there's a lot of work going being done in missouri and we're proud of all the the partnerships that it really takes to get those feral swine off the ground and so our part of that was to to raise the fines on on those uh, feral swines that get turned loose. That was two things that were on the bill. Additionally on there, there was recreational use liability. Our friends at Missouri Parks and Recreation Association were working hard on that with us too, where it says no owner of land shall be liable for injuries of a trespasser occurring on their residential area or non-covered land. So if such an area is like adjacent to a park or the Katy Trail, if a trespasser is accessing that through their property, they won't be held liable on there. So again, kind of the insurance aspect of it and some dry stuff, but it's important things to do. There was also campground liability where a private campground owner or employee shall not be held liable for acts related to camping at a private campground so if you trip or or fall or or bad something bad happens that that takes that liability off of their inherent risks and a couple other things the uh, game cameras on private property it says no employee of a state agency shall place any surveillance camera on game on private property without first obtaining consent and the last thing was adding wildlife management program to liability exemption, too. So it goes back to the, that insurance portion of, of keeping people safe on, on private property. Well, it's great to see that there's positive legislation coming out of the Capitol. And I know a lot of that has to do with you and the leadership of CFM. So thanks for your efforts, man. I know, I know all too well how, uh, how under the radar it can be at times and some sometimes you might feel like uh it, it's a thankless job but those of us in the know are, are very grateful and, and appreciate all your effort 
Well, I appreciate that because it is a lot of work and, and testifying. I think one time last session in in 24 hour period, I testified in seven different hearings. And so there's a lot of hearings that are constantly going in that process. It, it just, you know, that it, so many things have to happen. It's good whenever yeah, you're trying to walk defeat through it. that because most people have no idea. So a, a bill gets written. Often it, it comes from an outside source through a legislator, some donor, some constituent has an issue. They bring it to their state rep, their state senator. Uh, somehow a bill is drafted and take it from there. The bill gets drafted and then it's filed by the legislator and then it would get referred to a committee. Then it may sit there for a couple of weeks, then gets a hearing. So then that's where we come in and, and testify either in opposition or support of. Then the, it'll sit for a week. Then it'll get voted out of that committee. Then it goes back into the the big holding tank, as I like to call it. And then it may get referred to another committee. And if there's other issues on it, so then it goes to committee hearings, passes out of those committees, and then could get floor debate. And so then there's time that it'll get out on the full House floor. There's several series of, of hearings, discussion, votes. And then ultimately, if it passes out of one of those chambers, then it goes over to the other. So let's say a bill got filed in the House, then it goes to the Senate. That process starts all over. Committee hearings, debate, discussion, voting, full chamber. And then, you know, if a, if a bill comes out of that, then would finally get... Um, but then it could have amendments on it. So they may have to go back to the originating chamber. And then again, if it's fully agreed on, then it goes to the governor for, for his signature. And again, that's a very quick process tell you about uh, that takes months to happen and so when you're trying to defeat bills it's a good thing because there's so many checks and balances to have a a bill become a law that that it has to go through in our house bill 369 that we have is a true testament it it was almost unanimous in in both um, chambers to get that one through and i was there on the last day of session brandon and it was crazy we were so fortunate to be able to get that bill but we had you know just one legislator that can hold things up and and so it's it's really miraculous that a bill ever does become a law but it has it gets fully vetted i promise you any bill that becomes law is has had a lot of checks and balances and a lot of people looking at it down to the period the commas you name it everything they get uh, gone through with a fine-tooth comb it's definitely uh, a process that most citizens are unaware of although they all have a right to come and participate in it and i know that's one of the challenges too of running this organization is finding those passionate people who will take the time out of their busy schedule to come to the Capitol to testify. Um, I think, you know, the committees get used to seeing the same faces over and over, but it's very powerful when a citizen comes down to the Capitol and sits through a hearing and gives testimony. And all that really means is telling your story and and why this is important to you. Um, What would you say to somebody who doesn't I mean doesn't really know how to engage in this process but cares about conservation and and wants to see the right things done the tool that we use and try and communicate with all of our members is our legislative action center and Steve Jones does a great job for us keeping that up and we try and educate people on all these bills you know there's over a thousand bills that gets filed uh, in the house and the senate and so we kind of comb through those with our legislative action center and our and our committee that looks at all those 
And so we pick out the bills and we put that information on there. And so if you're a hunter or fisher and you're concerned about things, you go to there and we pull about 50 of those bills off and in support or oppose or, or we kind of monitor them and see because some of those just never get traction. They never get the light of day. And so they're not much to worry about there. But engaging in that process that you were talking about is a great way to see uh, your elected officials, like you said, anybody can come to a hearing and talk ab- about the way they feel, you know, and when we try and get that information out, we coordinate on on bills that are really important to us. We'll get a hold of those affiliates and our members and we send out action alerts and say, hey, call your rep, call your senator and let them know how you feel. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you might be a phone call to somebody, but when 10 phone calls, 15, 25 phone calls, those add up. And we've seen that. I've heard people say, stop the call. And we, we get the message. And, and that's when I'm like, yeah, we're doing our job there. you know. And that's when they ask us to call off the dogs that, because that grassroots uh, lobbying and e- effort that we do is, is something that we're, we take pride in because it goes back to not every organization wants to get involved in politics. But here at CFM, that's part of our mission, and we're glad to do that for all these affiliates and John Q. Citizens. So your $35 membership a year goes to help our efforts keep all of the great rights that we have here in Missouri moving for generations forward. Yeah, it's it's definitely not as sexy or fun as going out and planting prairie or you know trapping turkeys, but without the efforts of CFM and organizations like CFM that work on policy, uh, our our hunting and fishing opportunities could be greatly diminished. So it's frontline work. It's very important. It's very valuable. This will be the first time of a few times during this podcast that I make the pitch that you should join this organization. I'm a life member. Shags is a life member. Tyler's a life member. Um, for a thousand dollar donation, which goes into an endowment. That's my one of the things I'm also very proud that we got done during my time was. For every life membership that is uh, purchased, your $1,000 goes into an endowment. Now, if you think about just a very modest 4% return per year, that's $40 per year that you're contributing to this organization in perpetuity. So for the rest of your life and beyond, you'll be contributing at least that, you know, that 4%, $40 a year. And a regular membership is, what, 35 still? So you're actually given more per year based on that interest and that gain than the average member is at $35 per year. So if you're already a member, please think about stepping up and making that $1,000 life commitment. If you're not already a member, for $35 a year, you know that's the baseline of doing your part to protect these rights and opportunities we have in Missouri. I couldn't agree with you more, and I appreciate you making that pitch because it is important. And for their $35, they get this cool magazine, which I give you a lot of credit on really ramping that magazine up. We get so many wonderful contributors that submit content to us each year, and we have so many great stories to tell across Missouri. And so this is a, a great, you know, our slogan is the voice for Missouri outdoors, and this magazine is a, a great way to tell that voice and those stories that the hunting, the fishing, the hiking, biking, camping that we do across Missouri, it's it's fun to, fun to get this. And I get readers and, and listeners all the time that reach out to us every month and say how much they love our magazine because it is great content. We have so many wonderful stories to tell across Missouri. It's a great magazine, uh, very localized to Missouri, but also 
contain some some national news and you get it six times per year even the big organizations have all dwindled down to four times per year two times per year you get six magazines per year what is it like 68 pages now yes you get 68 pages of information about what's going on in missouri so there's like you know, fun articles about how to hunt squirrels, but there's also important articles about how to engage on legislation or what's going on, you know, in the capital or in other parts of the state. Some new regulations come out from the Department of Conservation. Those will be in there. So there's a lot of a lot of value in that as well, as you said. You know, and I think it's a true testament to our magazine to know that this is the only publication that's in a Bass Pro Shops in Missouri other than Bass Pro Shops magazines is, is ours. You walk out of, of every Bass Pro Shops and you'll see our magazine there free for, for anybody to take and enjoy. Well, the whole Bass Pro Shop family has been supportive of this organization for a long time, and it starts at the top with Johnny Morris. So how exciting that on September 14th, Johnny Morris will enter the Hall of Famous Missourians. If you don't know what that is, uh, if you go to the Capitol and walk around, there's bronze busts of famous Missourians throughout the Capitol. Uh, so Johnny Morris will now be immortalized there in, in the Capitol as well with a bust, and he'll be in attendance. And we were both invited to go, and that's, uh, that's an honor and exciting uh, to, to see a man who's done so much for the world when it comes to fishing and hunting and conservation but it all starts right here in Missouri with his love of the outdoors and the Ozarks. And um, just really cool that we've both had a chance to get to know him and, and to be supported by Bass Pro Shop. I couldn't agree more. What a humble man, too, that just is loves to see kids get outdoors. And the vision that he's had is just uh, it, it's once in a once in a world, maybe. I don't know if there'll ever be another man like him. And I, I do my part to give back to him because I, I went through all of my bank statements recently to complete my taxes. Uh, and there's a lot of charges on my credit card and from my debit card to Bass Pro Shop. So I definitely pay it back. <laughs> you get that 1% back though, right? On, on, on the rewards purchase. program. But then I donate all that back, I think, in the uh, the Roundup program, yeah. the, the conservation program. So if you, you go into Bass Pro and they're like, do you want to round this up for the outdoor fund? You know, I always round that up. Yeah, that's definitely a great way to give back, certainly. So we continue to talk about all the good stuff that's going on in Missouri, but there's some federal legislation that we should probably cover. Let's start with Recovering America's Wildlife Act, which ties us right back to Johnny Morris. Uh, he was chair of the Blue Ribbon Panel that brought this forward a few years ago. It looks like we're seeing traction on this. Our our Senator Roy Blunt, Missouri Senator Roy Blunt, and uh, Senator Martin Heinrich, who I've gotten to know, and he's likely coming to Missouri to hunt with uh, myself and Rudy Raceline this fall. He's a Missouri native. Uh, so you got the two Missouri natives in the United States Senate leading uh, uh, Recovering America's Wildlife Act. Explain what this is and why it's so critical that this passes. Certainly. This dedicated annual funding would primarily support implementation of our comprehensive conservation strategy and assist with that overall recovery of species of concern across Missouri. And so we could look, so we stand to gain over $20 million every year to help with the over 600 species that are in need by restoring their habitats, boots on the ground programs that we need to get out there and just sustain this for future generations, certainly. So there's a lot of invasive species that we need to get rid of and so many 
things that are concerned across Missouri that just need this extra attention. Recovering America's Wildlife Act, it's been filed several times. And like you mentioned, Senator Roy Blunt this time is, is a co-sponsor. So it's a huge opportunity for Missouri just to, to gain so many more dollars that would, you know, support this uh, implementation of the program. And, you know, we're we like to say that Missouri's raw ready, but we can't put those dollars to work without p- passing this and all of our partnerships too. So it's an educational effort. It's getting the folks in Washington, D.C. to get this passed so we can show them what we can do here to put this money to good use in Missouri. Yeah, and it's not just Missouri. It's, it's across the country. So we've talked a lot about how fortunate we are in Missouri to have our dedicated sales tax. And And conservationists across the country look at Missouri with envy, knowing that our sales tax funds initiatives that they could only dream about in Utah, Connecticut, any other state in the country, really, except maybe Arkansas and Minnesota, who also have some kind of a funding program. But in in states like Indiana, where I worked for the DNR, I know how critical every dollar is uh, because there's so few of them. This would be an incredible uh, shot in the arm for wildlife across the United States. You're looking at almost $1.4 billion to annually proactive, you know, locally ed- led efforts to recover thousands of at-risk wildlife species. So just a great opportunity there. We've On our webpage, confedmo.org, you can go out and see all the information if you want to reach out to these senators and reps and a lot of great detailed information that Missouri's got our plan. We're ready to rock and roll. We just got to get this bill passed. What do people need to do? How can people help? Calling their senator and their rep, letting them know that you support conservation and the outdoors. Each one of their phone numbers are listed, their emails on that page. So you just go to our website and and look at Recovering America's Wildlife Act. And and it's a few-step process, and you can take it away from there. So do that. Go to the CFM website, confedmo.org. Find the numbers to your senators. If you're here in Missouri, that's Josh Hawley and Roy Blunt. Let them know that you're in favor of funding wildlife across this country. Now, another bill, Tyler, that you brought up that I'm not real familiar with is the Mississippi River Restoration and Resilience Initiative Act. And they tried to make an acronym out of it, but it sounds like something you would say after like uh, too many beers or something. It's like M-R-R-R-R-I Act. The Murmur Act. Act, but we'll just call it the Mississippi River Restoration and Resilience Initiative Act. What's this do? So it's what we call it as MIRI is kind of the the short oh, term. Miri. Yeah. <laughs> so the Mississippi River Restoration and Resilience Initiative Act. What we're calling it is the MIRI, and so there's several different buckets, if you will, that it, and, and areas of attention that it's going to give that that's really going to push uh, the funding that will help across the state and in the Midwest too, because any tributary, it stands to gain funding for this, for this initiative. So anybody up and down the Missouri river as well. And the four main things are improving water quality in the Mississippi and the Gulf of Mexico by reducing the amount of runoff and nutrients and sediments. And it's also going to improve community resilience by restoring that ability uh, around the floodplains, wetlands, delta, all those floodwaters and those storm risk runoff, that type of stuff. A third thing is protecting and restoring wildlife all the habitat and invasive work that we know that we do already. So it's a great opportunity there. And then the fourth thing is 
addressing disproportionate impacts on communities of color, rural communities, and economically disadvantaged communities, too. So a great pot of money that's not new money, too. And that's the biggest question. Where's the money going to come from? But it's not new money, and it'll be administered through the EPA. And again, this has been done before at the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative. So it was done around there. It was called GLRI, and it's called MRRR. I hear so the Mississippi River Restoration and Resilience Initiative that's um, it's it's been filed it's HR 4202 again a lot more information on our webpage where you can go and, and I just this week I was calling all of congressmen and women across Missouri and trying to reach out and we're raising awareness about this now these bills take time to pass and they gotta again they gotta get their hearings and and get floor time and debate so it's uh it's really a win-win-win for all of not missourians but again midwestern states so just raising that awareness right now is is where we're at well the mississippi river watershed something of great concern to us at raceline alternative energy as we try to implement our 30 million acres of prairie restoration because we want to protect our waterways at the point you know specifically beginning with the grand river watershed here in missouri to stop all the pesticides and insecticides and fertilizers that are washing into our waterways and then down into the mississippi river and down to the gulf of mexico and creating hypoxia so mississippi river basin conservation is critically important to not only us here in missouri but our neighbors downstream as well and this is something i think we can totally get behind Water is life, and we got to protect it, you know, in all facets of it. That is the truth. All right, man, two more big things we got to talk about. One is the Risberg Memorial Dinner that we're hosting October 14th at uh, Merritt's in St. Louis. The backstory on this is uh, John and Mary Risberg's son, David, uh, tragically passed away. Uh, what's it been five years ago now almost yeah five years ago and uh, john and mary came to cfm by way of steve Merritts and said we'd like to do something to honor our son and we created the risberg memorial grants and it's just an incredible program that we are so proud of here at cfm that has granted a hundred thousand dollars now almost yeah maybe more Maybe more over what four years we've done four rounds of grants, so these grants are up to twenty five hundred dollars going out to affiliate organizations and twenty five hundred dollars might not sound like a lot if you're thinking in terms of ducks unlimited or one of the bigs, but with over a hundred affiliated organizations, some of which operate with almost no money, twenty five hundred dollars can be a new motor on a boat for river relief it can be Uh, a dump truck to clean up trash in a cave it can be uh, food and water for a crew that's gonna clean a trail i mean twenty five hundred dollars can go a long way when it's used conservatively for conservation and and this fund has has been just a game changer for cfm being able to give back to the affiliates and you know we got to raise some more money for it so this event's going to be really cool. Uh, renowned chef Johnny Graham will be cooking. Uh, will Jimeno, who is a survivor of the World Trade Center collapse, 
we have just passed the 20th anniversary of when Will was trapped in the basement of the World Trade Center after it collapsed. If you've ever seen the movie World Trade with Nicolas Cage, that's Will's story. He was one of those four guys. And he's going to be our keynote speaker. He's going to talk about how, uh, as he deals with the emotions of this for the rest of his life, the outdoors is what gives him solace. And hunting and fishing and spending time in nature is uh, is what keeps him going. And he's going to share that story of being trapped in the World Trade Center and, and how he's been able to move forward in life with the outdoors being a big part of it. You know, we all have struggles. John and Mary are, are not shy about the fact that David had addiction struggles. And, you know, we, we want to help people moving forward. So if you are in the St. Louis area or really anywhere and want to come to this dinner, it's for a great cause. And I will say if you're listening and you're part of an affiliate that's got one of these grants in the past, here's your opportunity to help make sure this moves forward. Buy a table. You know, a table is $1,000 for eight people. $1,000 is a lot of money. But again, that $1,000 is going to go to help fund conservation initiatives through a diversity of organizations. So it could be deer hunting, it could be butterflies, it could be trails, it could be paddling, it could be cleanups. We don't know. Whatever the grant requests are when they come in, they go through our committee and we fund them. So uh, if you're not part of a table, you can buy individual tickets. But this is something that I'm so proud to remain part of. I'm so thankful for John and Mary and turning a, a horrible, horrible tragedy into something that uh, can can cause very positive change in the future. You said that so beautifully because it, it is just a it's a love story from the outdoors that came through tragedy and these boots on the ground programs. It's kids planting trees. It's people picking up trash like your dollar will not be wasted. And the beautiful thing about your dollar, it's going to turn into two. John and Mary pledged $100,000 of their own money. And this will cap off the match that we've been working to to get to. And so they are matching dollar for dollar that we're raising. It's just been a uh, I can't say enough things about John and Mary and how supportive they have been. A neat little story that that they've shared and um, they were getting ready to float the river one day and there was some a stream team that they funded through this program that was getting ready to take off from the boat ramp and so it's a pretty emotional story for them to tell but it was kind of a great um, you know serene thing for them that that they saw uh, they were just happened to be out floating a river that day and, and the stream team was there to pick up trash that had been funded through their program so it's a lot of great opportunities uh, across the state to, to help the habitats and for a good cause and Brandon, you mentioned the the dinner. It's going to be on October 14th, like you said, and everything is live on a registration. Sign up today. It's $150 a person, $300 a couple, or like Brandon said, it's $1,000 a table, but it's uh, such a unique opportunity. Confedmo.org forward slash Risberg event. So you'll see it on our homepage. You can't miss it. And those tables are for eight. And I mean, it's October in Missouri. It's going to be beautiful. There's a big deck. We're going to have drinks and appetizers beforehand out on the deck. We're going to have live music. Uh, So you'll have an opportunity to catch up with old friends from the conservation community. You're going to be able to meet new people. 
Uh, we'll move inside. We'll have a wonderful dinner by one of the best chefs in the state of Missouri. And then we'll go into the program uh, with Will. You'll hear from the Rispbergs. It's just going to be a great night for a really good cause. There's no telling where the money will be used. It'll be used through some affiliates uh, to do projects that I promise you are worthy of your donation. Okay, now the last thing that I really want to dive into before we maybe just talk a little fishing and hunting is uh, Share the Harvest, specifically the Snack Stick program. Darren Haverstick, a great friend of ours, he chairs the Share the Harvest committee. He reached out and said, uh, there's overwhelming support for the Snack Sticks. However, funding is, is tough. It's more costly than expected, but it's an opportunity to really do a great thing for citizens of the state by creating these snack sticks to put in lunches for kids. We just got to figure out a way to fund it. So Tyler, I'm not exactly sure where we are on this, but Darren said, jump. I said, how high? So we're here talking about it. Tell me, tell me what the, first of all, brag a little bit about getting that bill passed and then tell me what the hang up is. Certainly. It is a, a great opportunity. We all know that Share the Harvest has, has been around for, for decades now. And so we saw an opportunity to add to this. Our great partners at Feeding Missouri have supported Share the Harvest along with hunters, fishers across Missouri. And so as we evolved into this, we were going, all right, there's this need for these kids to have more protein into the buddy pack program. And so in other states were doing this, and there was a, a meat company in southeast Missouri that, that came to Darren and said, hey, we're processing these little two-ounce sticks for the these kids. Could we do something like that here in Missouri? And so I give Darren a lot of credit. He said, what do we need to do to do that? And I said, I don't know. Well, let's work with the department. They work with a lot of the processors. And so we started and looking at the law. And, and it, so it came to down to the first step when we sat down with MDC and said, hey, how can we do these snack sticks? Well, the law says it had to be frozen and packaged. And they said, well, maybe if it said frozen or packaged, then we could start doing the, the meats going in the sticks. And I, without missing a beat, I said, I'll get the law changed. We'll do that. Then what? And full well knowing that may take several years, you know, but it was still fun to go like, all right, let's figure out what the next hurdle is and the next hurdle. And so we, we worked through that process of going, how can we get this done? And again, I'm going back over two years now. And so we started that we filed that bill in the 2020 legislative session and it passed, it passed almost unanimously as well. And so, and then we went back and said, all right, I got the law changed. Now what, you know? And so we said, okay, where are we going to get the meat? And because so many of these communities already need that rely on that protein. And so we worked with a culling operation in Southeast Missouri to, to get that protein for some these snack sticks and and again logistical things we were looking at um, so many of our committee members had ideas and, and where we're we going to get the meat how are we going to get refrigerator trucks all those things it was like wow this is a little bit harder than we thought and so we um, again as the share the harvest committee has spent a lot of time through covid going what can we logistically do and we said let's just start small let's get some deer to the processor and try and make these sticks a reality and so that led us up to the culling period in the 2020-21 season, which ended up this past spring. And so, you know, people don't realize that the culling happens kind of after deer season and, and 
target rich environments if you will that that the deer the cwd is being managed and so we were able to take a lot of deer and bring them in into one location to be able to get the snack sticks processed and so our friends at stani's down there in southeast missouri who originally came up with the idea was willing to try and do these snack sticks on this trial basis for us to get the program up and going and let me tell you those food banks were ecstatic to try and get that meat to get it out into these body pack programs and so Darren and I then were scratching our head, all right, how are we going to get these sticks out? And so we called uh, Scott Baker, the executive director of Feeding Missouri, and he said, you got that, got us that far. He's like, we'll get the trucks and we'll get them to these distribution centers and stuff. And so we really never had to, to lift a hand, so to speak, from the share of the harvest side of things because the Feeding Missouri folks were so excited to get their hands on that protein-rich meat for these kids they took them and picked them up and and distributed them and so uh, they got out and they were gone like that i got a hold of scott i said hey we need to get a picture and uh, he said they're gone he said those they those kids gobble those things up and and so um they were out there and so we're looking now to expand again this year and so we're looking at another targeted calling area to get more deer and more venison into this program and because you know there's never going to be enough uh, venison be able to go around and unfortunately and so we've got to try and figure out a way to advance this program little by little and i can't wait till the day that we roll this out and be able to choose whether your mate goes into the share of the harvest pantry or the snack stick program but it's it's really been a labor of love to get this bill passed to get the legal issues to get the logistical issues things to figure it out to see one of those sticks become you know a uh, reality what can people do to be part of this? Donate money. And I think the the biggest challenge that we're up now is donating money that because it takes more pork, seasoning, packaging, all that stuff than just donating, dropping your deer off. And so um, we're getting ready to roll out a fundraiser for this fall that's going to go out to all of our members and soliciting money to help fund the Snack Sticks program for the 2021-22 deer season. Talk a little bit about the business alliance you know let's make sure we we plug the the corporations that are really stepping up to help out with cfm and and giving money so our business alliance program within the federation is community dollars that that come from corporations and businesses because we wouldn't exist certainly and be able to do the things that we do you know that certainly at the top of the list shelter insurance has been a huge supporter of share the harvest for such a long time and they still print the a lot of the stuff for the share the harvest program and, and help us out too and gosh we talked about bass pro shops and and the great work that they do our partners at the electric cooperatives or across missouri they fund our, our shoots and, and do so many great things. Uh, just they're always willing to, to jump in and, and help us out in that aspect, too. And, you know, Rudy, Raceline Alternative Energy, you guys have been huge supporters. Rudy gets what we're trying to do, and, and I just can't say enough good things for everything that, that he's done. And Boy, I've got about 90 businesses here, so I'd love to list them all, but they're all important donors that we need to help fund what we're trying to do. And they're all listed on the CFM website and in every issue of the magazine. If you have a business, uh, here's an opportunity to to give back through your your corporation. Um, look at becoming a business alliance member, and and you know that way you can you can say your company is supporting conservation. 
Certainly, you know, the, the Orsland Farm and Home has been a huge supporter for a long time. CZ USA, who, you know, helps you all out on your podcast, is a great supporter, too. And they they always donating guns to help us on our fundraising efforts and great partners at all of our shoots as well, too. And, boy, I could go on and on about the uh, even the small partnerships. It takes everybody, you know. We have levels from anywhere from $10,000 to $250. So we try and be great partners and stewards of those dollars to be able to support everything that we're trying to do. Well, Tyler, there's so much going on at the Federation. Again, if you're not a member of CFM, please give your $35 a year. Maybe give 1000 That way you're giving 40 every year uh, from here on out. If you're already a member, think about stepping up to the life membership if you're part of a business become a business alliance i'm just so committed to this organization uh working here for five years i I know how hard the staff works i know how great the members are i know what it takes to get people to volunteer and they give so much of themselves so so please consider joining cfm if you're not a member and if you are a member please consider taking it to the next level well i'd certainly appreciate the plug Brandon but I also want to thank you too because you have been a great mentor and friend to me and everything that you had got started at the Federation I just feel like we get stronger faster better all the time but you laid some huge groundwork and were big shoes for me to fill and I appreciate all that you continue to do that you and Shags do through promoting conservation in the outdoors to this podcast and uh, you're just always willing to give and I want you to know how much that really means to me and the entire conservation family. Well, thanks, man. You've, you've certainly made me proud. Uh, it's amazing when a plan comes together. <laughs> we kind of had a plan on how I'd transition out and you'd transition in. And uh, I think it's worked out very well for both of us. And CFM's doing incredible under your leadership. And I'm, I'm proud to follow your lead, man. You're doing great. Thank you. Gear Review coming up next. Time for the Driftwood Outdoors Gear Review. Well, Shags likes to say the gear review is my favorite part of the podcast, and you know what? He's not wrong. Today, I'm going to review Log Boat Brewing Company's Bobber. So, good friends of ours, uh, Tyson and the whole crew at Log Boat, if you go all the way back to the beginning of this podcast, uh, Tyson and Sam, two of the owners, uh, are on the podcast with us. I've been a Mammut guy since they launched. Uh, Mammut is kind of an English brown but now they've got the the bobber, and it's a uh, Missouri lager, and man, is it good. So it's a local brew out of Columbia, Missouri. They've kind of swept across the state. It's very, very cool branding, and just being part of the log boat family is a lot of fun. So uh, as we, we roll into fall, there's no better time to sit by a campfire and have a good beer. If you've never tried log boat, you know, check out all the different beers that they have. Uh, but I think if you're you're going to get out fishing this fall and, and you want a couple beers in the boat, uh, check out the Bobber. You will not be disappointed. Speaking of beer, I'm going to review the CFM Clean Water Equals Great Beer t-shirt that's available on our website, confedmo.org. We just got a, a new a batch of these in, fresh for the man show, and, and it, it's a neat design. It's got the river flowing through it right into a in a cfm beer stein and i gotta give you credit brandon for this was one of your ideas and, and we had to reprint more of these because they were so highly demanded it's a neat picture of a, a forest that the top of it and the water flows through it right into into a mug that says clean water equals great beer we've got 
different colors and sizes available on our website, and we'll be selling these for moving forward. So, great t-shirt. Clean water equals great beer. I bet you'd give give somebody one if they signed up as a life member, wouldn't you? The first person, the first two people that sign up on the life members, I will get them two shirts. Two <laughs> shirts for the two life members. So, Well, you probably don't know this, but that actually, uh, that shirt was made for an event that we did at Logboat many years ago when Logboat was just getting started. So, yeah, I came up, we were working on the Clean Water Act, and I thought, well, without clean water, we can't have great beer. So, clean water equals great beer, and, and those shirts have been doing well for years, so I'm glad to see a, a new printing. So, go on the CFM website, confedmo.org, check out all the merch, get yourself a clean water equals great beer shirt, and we will see you down the trail. Early mornings, long nights, cold, heat, wind, and so many other factors can stand between a sportsman and the trophy they're pursuing. That's why it's so gratifying when it all comes together. To preserve that special memory, sportsmen often turn to a taxidermist. At Driftwood Outdoors, we turn to Scenic Rivers Taxidermy in Salem, Missouri. Larry and Heath have mounted six bucks for us in the last four years, and every one of them looks awesome. These guys are true artists and experts at deer and elk, but can handle all your taxidermy needs from fish to birds to bears. For a taxidermy experience you can trust, turn to Scenic Rivers Taxidermy. Visit them online at scenicriverstaxidermy.com or find them on Facebook, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy. At Driftwood Outdoors, we're real proud to partner with Hunt to Eat to bring you some cool t-shirts depicting our love of all things outdoors. Honestly, there's nothing cooler than to be doing this podcast and then seeing people wear our shirt, which is an amazing, super cool shirt of a gravel bar campsite. If you want to get your own Driftwood Outdoors t-shirt, check out the merch section on our website, driftwoodoutdoors.com, or visit Hunt to Eat at Hunt to eat.com and pick up the Driftwood Outdoors Gravel Bar t-shirt today. 